Hello and welcome to the Back Page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, how's the rush to the finish with Game of the Year going for you? Uh, it's going okay, actually. Uh, I, I played a couple of things over the weekend which really wowed me and so I've decided to invest more time in them so I can speak more fully on them. So, yeah, okay. I'm actually like in a better place than I was when I wrote uh, our rather bleak what we've been playing Patreon post last week. <laughs> yeah, same. I've got a couple of games now that are... You know, like you, I have to investigate them, but I feel almost certain that I found one that's definitely going quite high. Um, I just sat and played a clear four hours of it non-stop at the weekend. I was like, okay, nice. this is this is promising. So up to about six or seven, I'm pretty confident we'll make the list now, which is good. Um, still a fucking rush to the finish, but what are you going to do? Um, I will yeah. say to list, I will say to listeners actually, my throat is a bit a bit screwed um, at the moment. I'm at that point where I'm either going to get really fucking ill or my body's going to fight it off. But I'm not sure which one yet, so that's where I'm at. Mm. Sorry, Matthew, what were you going to say about game of the year? I think the challenge is like I've played way more than ten games, and I could tell you, you know, what are probably conventionally the ten best of those games, but. I think what I've been failing to articulate is I've been looking for 10 heart picks mm. and I don't know if I've played like enough things that have resonated with me in that way. You know, like I've given loads of games four stars for VGC this year, but are many of them true heart picks? I don't know. I guess that's that's what I've, you know, the chances of happening on one of those in the next two weeks is probably unlikely. But, well, you know, you got the old um, Callisto Protocol coming out. Uh, may not, maybe heart's not the right word for a very <laughs> gritty sci-fi horror game set in a prison, but you know, it's the last blockbuster of the year. Uh, is it really going to resonate with me? Has uh, what's his name, Josh Duhamel, got the ability to to truly connect with me? I oh, is that who's in it? Is it Josh Duhamel? Okay, he's the guy, isn't he? Oh, I, I, I guess so. Oh, or is it Timmy the Elephant? Who can tell the fucking difference? <laughs> oh, I can. Timothy Oliphant's like, uh, you know, he's a cut above if you ask me. But They've uh, got the same face. Yeah, one, um, Josh Jumel was in uh, Call of Duty World War II, wasn't he? He was the main dude in that. So um, Yeah, and yeah. Deadwood. <laughs> that's Timothy no, Oliphant. That's Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> How are you getting these mixed up? Uh, They're very that was, distinctive. That was, that was me play, playing up for the for the cameras, as it that's were. That's good. Well, yeah, don't let me, um, you know, confuse that with the uh, early onset of senility. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> We're only in our 30s, but you never know. Um, so, this episode, we are revisiting our predictions from earlier in the year. We always do this. Tend to be the first or second podcast of the year. We'll just um, bang out some predictions about what's to come. Just a bit of fun. Usually some of them are very... Well, in fact, all of them are pretty preposterous normally, with a couple of like genuine ones thrown in there so i've um i've got my 11 predictions at the start of the year matthew's got his 11 together they equal 22 which is the uh 2022 you see what we did there the magic of podcasting matthew <laughs> first impressions on looking back at your uh predictions how did you feel uh, well actually in the episode i felt bad because they weren't particularly fun or goofy um, <laughs> like they were trying to tap into sort of trends and things in a, in a kind of boring way that we don't do on this podcast but in terms of actually giving us stuff to talk about that's that's quite actually handy <laughs> it, it, the payoff for boring picks is that this episode's maybe slightly better and uh, yeah actually I, I think i have plenty to say on a lot of my points i, I you know if if the exercise was to not completely dick our future selves over in this episode, I think it was a success. 
Yeah, I actually like. I just realized one of mine. I absolutely fucking banged. Like I, I was like spot on with it. Um, <laughs> so that's that's nice. Um, but uh, the rest of them, yeah, it's a bit of a minefield as we'll get into. The other funny thing is for people who um, long term back page pod heads who re- might remember this episode, it was my worst in terms of audio. I sound fucking terrible because I think right, I have game yeah. levels too high. And so that episode's a tough hang. You've been listening back to it, right? Yeah, I, I, so I'm glad you said that because we were listening to it in the car on the driving home over the weekend. And I thought something might be wrong with Catherine's car speakers. I was like, is this like coming out of a different speaker? What's going on with this? Because I don't remember it being bad. Um, no, no, it, you definitely said it was bad at the time. You said to oh, me, right. oh. your audio shit, I don't know why, I've done my best to fix it, but there's only so much I can do, and then the podcast went live, and <laughs> that was my memory well, of it. Yeah, because <laughs> we listened to the big picture podcast in the car, and then back page, and I, I was thinking, wow, my audio actually sounds okay, like, it doesn't sound worlds apart from professional podcast empire, the big picture, uh, which was impressive, but yeah, your audio was just like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um, so, but, but then did the host of the big picture wedge themselves into some kind of fucking turned over table <laughs> thing that's got like cushions wedged in it like you do, Matthew? Uh, no, I don't think so. Also, the big picture aren't above a terrible guest mic. Like, mm. considering that they're talking to people who have millions of pounds from big film careers and their mic sounds like purest ass, you're like, come on, you could have spent you know a tiny bit of your fortune on a on a good mic setup oh yeah like bill hader's mic is fucking terrible like what's the deal with that <laughs> that guy's like you know yeah that guy's incredibly successful he's like our version of like ash or something where it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like great guest bad mic ash has actually gone and bought a good mic though because um i think he wants to come on more episodes which will we'll be you know we're very happy to have him again but uh yeah i think he um he took it very seriously, criticism of the microphone. So, uh, oh, I kind of wish for episode 100 we'd done which Hollywood personality is each of our guests based on mic quality now. Well, that would have been. Ash is sort of like tall like Bill Hader as well. There's other kind of resemblances. There was a point where they both aligned in terms of like haircut and glasses, which was the exact time that Superbad came out. I was working with Ash at the time and I thought, huh. he looks exactly like Bill Hader in Superbad. And so, uh, uh-huh. yeah, that was a good moment for both of them, I think. Um, well, we've really <laughs> gone down a fucking into the weeds here on some bullshit. So let's reverse out and get back to the predictions. This is going to be a shorter episode, I think. We just did a two-hour, 40-minute episode of James Bond movies ranked. I imagine our listeners have had enough of us for the time being. Um, as Matthew says, we don't tend to do much timely stuff. And it's funny because we just recently had our fingers burned by the uh, the disaster Excel episode, um, PS5 versus Xbox Series X Revisited, which I think you and I were like, Ugh, is this like the worst thing we've ever charged money for? And like, uh, <laughs> was it, Matthew? I don't know. It wasn't that, but I think we pulled it out of the bag. Yeah. You know, there are there are a few a few good jokes. There wasn't a, a lot of amazing commentary, but I'd say yeah. if it was the worst thing they charged, we've charged money for. You know, it's about the worst things that Sony and Microsoft have charged money for, so that's fine. Yeah, I think that's sort of like uh, I kind of see you thinking there, and I'm prepared to go along with it, even if I don't totally <laughs> believe it. So onto the <laughs> onto the predictions. Thanks, John. <laughs> no problem, pal. Do you want to go uh, first with one of yours? Yeah. So my first incredibly boring uh, prediction was that it was going to be a big year for VR, powered by Metaverse for uh, for the Oculus and PSVR 2 uh, for Sony. Coming to this, I was thinking, oh, well, it's been a terrible year for VR because all that's happened is everyone has dunked massively on the Metaverse, and rightfully so. Have you looked at any Metaverse stuff, uh, either I... first-hand or, or just online? 
Uh, I've seen mostly the memes about them getting feet and stuff like that, and then some articles <laughs> about these really weird abandoned virtual spaces, basically, where it's like a promotional kind of like money sink, and then nothing much really happened with them. Um, so it yeah. seems like it seems like kind of like a thing that if it was going to happen, it would have happened during the pandemic. Yeah. And now it hasn't happened. I don't really know where it goes from there, you know. It's sort of strange because it's a culture, you know, it's an online space that gets this big push, you know, like Facebook rebranding to get behind it, you know, as a company and and all that jazz. And it hasn't, like, taken off in a big way. And now it feels like a lot of the dialogue has, has changed to, well, this is a... This is going to be a gradual shift. You know, this is the first step on like a decades long journey to get people living in this virtual world, the metaverse. And so this is kind of where it should be. But I think that's bullshit and just people trying to save face. Like no one wants the publicity they've had this year for, for the metaverse. Um, it looks terrible. Every video you watch is just a PS2 kind of graphics, like a load of really charmless avatars hanging out in what always looked like sort of like 90s bowling alleys <laughs> kind of like lots of neon just a big purple room it's all a bit vague a lot of them look like people have broken into sort of abandoned leisure centers you know like those videos where they kind of we found this russian cinema and it looks haunted as fuck <laughs> it's got like big that energy <laughs> except there's just like four dudes standing there going like oh where are you from and someone will be like oh spain um, so it's just i don't really know what anyone's getting out of that experience so while the dunks have been high i think that actually hides in terms of pure vr heft a quiet success story um, certainly for uh, Quest 2, which by all accounts has sold like a shit ton. Apparently there are 15, they've sold 15 million Quest 2s, which actually mm-hmm. puts it ahead of like Xbox Series X and S yeah. as, a, as a console, <clears throat> catching up on PlayStation 5. You know, it's, it's, not, uh, it, it's not completely laughable, is what I'm saying. It just happens to be fronted by quite a laughable endeavor yeah i almost think it's a shame that they've tied the idea of the metaverse to the quest hardware because yeah the quest hardware is doing everything it needs to do it's like uh you know it's a really nice device to use it feels really good to like it, it feels like the form of vr that is meant to take off it's standalone it's well supported by good titles though i, I do worry about how quickly they um they might uh, treat it like phones and then kind of like uh, abandon support for one um, one headset for another. A bit worried about that with Facebook because they kind of gave up on their PC-connected VR headsets very quickly. Mm. Um, and I don't really want... Uh, basically, these things should be like Steam, where they, it will always work on whatever device you've got, but it might just run badly, basically. Um, so I think the, the hardware's great, but yeah, it's weird to tie it to this ambition to like create a kind of charmless virtual world where... It does look actually worse than PlayStation Home did um, 14 years ago. Um, (laughs) And, like, PlayStation Home was never good, and no one ever thought it was good, and it was, you know, that was dunked on as well. And so people aren't learning lessons from history, they're just repeating them. And also, Facebook laid a load of people off, so that doesn't look good optics-wise. It, like, seems like it's failing as a a giant money sink. Um, I don't really Mm. get it. I don't really... 
I don't even get the the need to create demand for a virtual space and then the need for one company to own all that virtual space. That's like that is dystopia to me. There's yeah. no no net gain as for for us as a species. They, <laughs> they they definitely have sold that as a a vision to whoever all these mysterious money men are who then go and invest billions in startup companies who just basically have to announce that they're getting into the metaverse mm. and then they make, you know, you know they, they get valuated for sort of one and a half billion dollars or something just because they're sort of adjacent to the, the hot thing. Um, whether or not people are going to start sort of backing out from that or if there's just so much money in it that, that it's, you know, too big and too proud to fail. But yeah, like you say, probably unfair to tie in, you know, VR doesn't just equal metaverse i must admit I'm, i haven't heard like a lot of chatter about you must play this amazing vr game this year given that there are all these headsets you'd think there'd be a bit more word of like breakout hits or kind of what's happening my guess is right that they're saving a bunch of stuff for a quest 3 next year that's my guess um right so this felt like a bit of an in-between year for software compared to like last year where you had you know resi 4 which was like a massive massive mm. deal for them um, or previous years where they had like Asgard's Wrath or Stormland or um, Lone Echo and they had Lone Echo 2 as well which is a PC VR game so I think there might be some resources focusing on the next thing rather than like what's happening now they announced some acquisitions recently we still haven't seen uh, hide nor hair of that GTA San Andreas VR that was um, announced last year or maybe it's the year before no it was last year so mm. That would you would think you know in theory that wouldn't have been years away when they they confirmed it, but again maybe they're saving that for a Quest Three launch game, which you know slight bummer because I've got a Quest Two and I wouldn't mind it. I can't believe that one year on I still haven't got up in Big Smoke's grill, <laughs> which is which is uh, hilariously side note. When I was listening back to the old podcast, as you were talking in the podcast, I was syncing up. The same jokes I then made in the episode. <laughs> I was thinking, like, if I was recording that now, I would say X. Not because I remembered it. I, I'm just that predictable as a person that I thought, oh, yeah, Big Smoke's Grill, ha, ha, ha. And lo and behold, <laughs> that I said it in the episode. So, Yeah. And the good thing is, I think our listeners now now know that this is part of, like, the content mix with us. The, uh, the idea of, like, making the same joke, like, three or four times over the course of, like, many months. And you only notice it if you listen to all the episodes back to back. Otherwise, yeah. you're like, it's got the energy of a friend repeating an old story, I think. It's, um, it's not yeah. intentional. It's it's just it's just who I am as a person. Well, it's that's not what, a bit. No, no, it's fine. I do the same thing sometimes. So it's... Uh, it's all good, my friend. Um, and you were right. This was a big VR year because PSVR two got announced, um, and yeah. they are they are releasing that. They've got this very elaborate controller tech they're doing. Uh, Horizon I was game. Say, they've got a very elaborate price point. <laughs> well, you is... know. <laughs> so yeah, you know, VR is expensive to do well. It just is. Um, yeah. Like, like Oculus is like Facebook are losing money on those headsets. Like they did. They got mass. You know, penetration such as it is, ha ha ha. Um, I don't, even, <laughs> don't know why I tagged that on as a rider. Well, that's that that had powerful. It's six o'clock on a Monday energy. It's been a <laughs> yeah, it's been a tough day, man. Yeah, so you know, that's people are like VR is like happening. It's like a big deal still, um, and people are like spending a lot of money to um, to get it to that next level. And fifteen million, you're right, is no small thing to sort of you know. It's not a small thing at all. And they keep mm. selling software as well. They're making software and they're selling software. I did play um, a new VR game that I like this year, um, Little Cities 
VR. Uh, Matthew, that was quite nice. That's like a city builder game. Um, mm. Good vibes. You could, really good sound design. You kind of like um, you can sort of move in a three D space around your city as you build it and raise it up. That was um, a cool little game. And then uh, there was a City Skylines VR this year. I think that was um, didn't get necessarily like amazing reviews, but there's stuff happening. But it could have mm. been a bigger year. But in terms of like the movement of like hardware away from the meta stuff it was a pretty big year. It was a Oculus Pro Quest Pro. I don't really know what that does, but I assume it does something. <laughs> yep okay good that's good that's a, a great uh yeah great way to continue the conversation there yep and then that's a, <laughs> you know you know that we're doing a podcast right we're not in the pub like you have to, you have to keep talking no, I was just, my brain is so really slow to load up responses um i was actually thinking about psvr and whether there was anything they could offer me to spend that much money and i suddenly thought of uh <laughs> Have you played much of Horizon? Do you know who Silence is? Uh, oh god, I know they all got fucking names like um, tape recorders and that. He's um he's the guy. He's Lieutenant Daniels from The Wire. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. I just thought rubbing his bald head with my VR hands. That's the image that popped into my hand, and I thought, yeah, I'd pay six hundred quid for that. So, so why you're thinking about that? Is that when you went? Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Like an old VHS player just loading up, kind of like. Uh, uh, sorry, I don't mean to make fun. I was just, I was just genuinely curious. I thought, oh no, is he not listening to me? That's really bad. No, no, I was, I was slightly away with the fairies, working out if I had a PSVR bit in me, but I don't. That's fine. We talked about this for sixteen minutes now, so let's move on. Oh yeah, let's uh, get the hell out of here. So my first one, this is a really brief one because it just didn't fucking happen. Which is, you know, spoiler alert, it's happened with most of my predictions. <laughs> so, uh, CNC Red Alert Two. And Tiberian Sun get remastered this year. This is a prediction based on the success of the um, remastered Command and Conquer collection that EA did in 2020. I thought, what a no-brainer to just get the um, the same people to do Red Alert 2 and Tiberian Sun. But it feels like that was just a one-time deal, sadly. Um, yeah. So as a result, I decided to just go and download um, about <laughs> eight different programs to like run um, compatibility properly with my modern PC to get Red Alert 2 working. And to be honest, that did tick the, tick the box. The biggest bit of CNC news this year was the uh, uh, oral history of Tim Curry saying space. That happened, did it? Yeah, I think it's on Polygon. It's, it's worth a read. It's like incredibly deep dive in how that cutscene was written, came to be recorded that way, and its ongoing legacy. Um, uh, I think they talked to who's the famous American astronomer? Oh, um, old uh, Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, they they talked to some like really legit people about space because he <laughs> said the word space. That was the link. Uh, it was quite good. So <laughs> like, like the Terence Malick film of uh, <laughs> of interview features. You know, it's like we're going to start <laughs> with the the creation of time and space and work our way up to um, this one cutscene in Command and Conquer Red Alert Three. <laughs> Uh, okay, yep, yeah, so that didn't happen. So, um, yeah, nothing more to say, really, other than uh, I hope that one day EA does revisit the, that. It feels like money on the table, that. Just redo the sprites, redo the backgrounds, sell it. I'll I'll pay 20 quid for it every single fucking time. Um, mm. What's your second prediction, Matthew? My second prediction was, oh, this is a duffer, video <laughs> game TV shows will continue to be good. Um, I was mainly thinking of The Last of Us, which didn't release. Uh, Resident Evil on Netflix and Halo on Paramount. Um, I also thought the Super Mario movie would be good. I wrote in my notes. Now, obviously, Last of Us didn't happen or isn't out yet. You getting good vibes off the trailers and promotional material for that? Yes, 
I think it'll, okay. I think it'll be. I'm not personally bothered about watching it. Um, for reasons I think we discussed before, but I think it will be good by the standards of modern prestige TV. You know. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if they can sort of get more of an ensemble going in it, which is sort of what I like in my favourite TV shows. I don't like TV shows about one person, I think is my problem with all the Marvel shows too, so that's why I'm not sure video games are good for it. But anyway, Resident Evil on Netflix, did you watch this? No, I didn't get good vibes from it. Um, and then it got a really like, weird mix of reviews, like a strange response. Truly baffling show. Wisely sort of exists... Sort of outside of the game, so it's not all Chris Redfield and, and, and whatnot. Albert Wesker is in it, and there is sort of a, f- a flashback to what happens around the time of Resident Evil 1. So it is canonical, it is set in the universe of the games, but it's kind of like 20 years later. And again, Lance Reddick from uh, Silence from uh, Horizon Zero Dawn uh, as Wesker in it but a kind of seemingly nice Wesker, and, and that's sort of the mystery of the show, is like, what's the deal with this nice Wesker? How can you have unleashed what you unleashed on Raccoon City and still be fine? But it was tonally just all over the place, really, like, silly, like, goofy humour, these terrible, like, poppy needle drops everywhere. Just yeah, a, an absolutely baffling show with occasional flashes of, like, deep resi lore. Like there's a bit where they find a, the, the the daughters of Albert Wesker find a camcorder with kind of found footage of um, Lisa Trevor from Resident Evil One, right? Sort of in her basement, sort of like you know with the shackles, sort of like screaming, you know. So it's a show which goes as deep as that, but then it also has robots dancing to fucking Billie Eilish or whatever. <laughs> so wow. it's like, yeah. Both incredibly Resident Evil and not at all Resident Evil and will never get a second season. It's just dead. And also really weird that that followed a film that was reasonably faithful to the games. Yeah. That no one really talked about. That was strange. You you want to say about the TV show, like, oh, they didn't play Resident Evil, but then it had so much weird Resident Evil stuff in it. You're like, well, they must have. And this is just what they thought was the, the right direction to take it. I think it was written by one of the guys behind Supernatural. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it was, it was it was a load of old shit. <clears throat> I I watched Halo, by the way. Uh, yeah, which I haven't watched. So what does that? <laughs> d- did I predict a TV video game renaissance in the form of Halo? Uh, you did not, but I wish you okay. well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I watched all of this. Uh, I got a Paramount <laughs> Plus trial. I chewed through this and Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, which is really fucking good. I love Star Trek. So Halo was a weird one. It had like I think four set pieces in like nine hour long episodes and they're proper hour long episodes and a lot of it was about random politicking in the halo universe it's tough because I, i'm sort of in the mindset that the deeper you get into the halo universe the more boring it is and mm. i actually thought this was probably still slightly better than i thought it would be and when it did do the set pieces they were a lot of fun like there's a proper like big battle midway through the season that was legit good is um, there a scarab no sadly not maybe they're saving Boo. that for season season five they're saving that for matthew <laughs> <laughs> But it was stingy with set pieces, considering it obviously cost a fortune to make. Um, I found that strange. But, I don't know, I quite like the attempt to like give Master Chief some layers. I didn't care that he um, you know, had sex in one episode. That seemed to be a big deal to people. I don't really care about him taking his helmet off either. It's a fucking TV show, you know what I mean? Like That guy's just like a voice and a suit of armour in the game. So. Who does he have sex with? Uh, oh, there's this really bad plot in it where there's this girl who's like... Um, a survivor on some human colony who becomes like the Covenant sort of like 
weird Jesus figure, and then she sort Ooh. of infiltrates the. Uh, she, they, both her and Master Chief can see the halo. They're being drawn to it as this almost holy-like object. That's like the whole plot of the season, really. Oh, is really? yeah, it was quite naff. Um, but they burnt they burnt so much cash on it. It's proper peak golden uh, quote unquote age of streaming uh, ridiculousness. So uh, yeah, that was Halo, Matthew. But um, well, did anything else happen? This Cyberpunk happened this year. That was probably that kind of proves your point a little bit that these things are definitely on the rise. Yeah, yeah. I, well, this was based off the fact that Castlevania on Netflix had been good, so I thought Netflix had their video game adaptations sort of locked down. And uh, yeah, by all accounts, people liked Cyberpunk. Didn't really do it for me. Um, but I don't know if Resident Evil is just such a honker that it kind of eclipses any any successes. Oh, ended with a giant crocodile um, <laughs> getting blown up. And there was all kinds of, oh, so much bullshit in that show. Um, I had to do an ending explained video for that. Right. Um, so I've thought about the Netflix Resident Evil show more deeply than most. <laughs> yeah, that's like when I had to do loads of research on In Her Eyes, the Netflix show. And oh, like, yeah. The one that ends, it's like a show where like a woman's possessed by the spirit of some dead Scottish man or something. And I was like so regretful for like even suggesting it as a potential thing to cover afterwards i was like i regret every life choice i've made up until this point <laughs> oh, and ending explain videos they're they're big business um i'm trying to do one for 1899 but the show's so complicated i don't really <laughs> understand it that's the big that's the problem with writing an ending explained article what if you genuinely don't understand it because the show really does need explaining yeah it's much easier when it's like and then Luke Skywalker turned up and took Baby Yoda away. And you're like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> that guy who you see at the end of Mandalorian, that's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, I uh, wish. Funny stuff. Yeah, okay, so yeah, I would say that's like a half half point for that one. Okay. Uh, not that we're taking score. No, it isn't a competition. <laughs> okay, my second one then. Uh, GBA and GBC games come to Nintendo Switch Online. Nope, didn't happen this year. Um <laughs> Did anything happen on the front this year? Just more N64 games, wasn't it, Matthew? Did that had that was that this year that that happened that that, that launched on uh, on uh, there? That was that was before, right? Um, but uh, they, I guess, Mario Kart Season Pass was like the big addition this year, which is quite big in itself because it's basically another Mario Kart, mm. you know, worth of content, um, which none of us saw coming. I think that was quite a surprise. Yeah, it's just glacial otherwise on the um, new games front. Plus, they announced Goldeneye, of course, but still no release date for that one. We have to wait months and months for a game that was finished, like, um, what, 25 years ago now? Yeah, uh, everyone, so. everyone got a bit too excited that whenever they show footage of Virtual Console on Switch in the Nintendo Directs, uh, they have, like, a user icon of, like, the Metroid... It's either the Morph Ball or it is, like, the Metroid Prime symbol hmm. in the corner. Um, and everyone thinks it's like them teasing up some big GameCube um, splash coming, but I don't. I don't know. I think as long as they can sell you those games full price, they won't be on there personally. People with unrealistic expectations for a uh, Nintendo Direct—that's uh, preposterous, Matthew. <laughs> um, yeah, I would still like to see Game Boy games on there, and I think it probably will happen, but um, probably not until like they've ran out of N64 games, which they don't seem to be. Um, because they're rolling them out so slowly, I don't think that's going to happen in the next year or so. So, yeah, maybe they're maybe they're waiting for us to do our much anticipated <laughs> GBA draft just to, just to because that way it's almost like focus testing because you can <laughs> see which collection people better react to and then use that to 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 pick the right one. 
Yeah. Oh, this this guy had golf in his. We better fucking make sure golf's in there. Um, yeah. Or like, uh, I, yeah, that's that's possible. It's like, oh yeah, they're waiting. They're waiting to hear Golden Sun get picked. Now, okay, I've got to make sure Golden Sun's in there. And uh, yeah, um, all Metal Gear and Perfect Dark might be tricky to get the rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know. Um, well, listen. You know, more and more game. In a, I was to say inner game people when I mean game developers um, <laughs> are like listening to the podcast and listening to us on Twitter. You know, there comes a point where we begin to have influence on these things. Oh uh, yeah, I mean Matthew is joking, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah, like we don't, th- we don't we don't think we literally got followed by one developer this week. <laughs> Uh, oh, someone from uh, Frontier started following um, the Twitter account, which always makes me panic. I'm like, oh no, they're going to like rumble my second, my secret second identity as a podcaster. Um, Your side yes. hustle. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that's not happened, but I'm hoping it will happen at some point. So, what's your third rec- uh, recommendation? Your third uh, prediction, Matthew. My third prediction, also mega bust. Uh, Halo Infinite campaign will be expanded with DLC in the same way they did, they did Hive Busters for Gears of War Five. It's all about that continued Game Pass engagement. Um, this was based entirely on the fact that I felt like Halo Infinite didn't really have a, an ending, and so I just assumed they'd give it to us for free. But it turns out that they've just spent the whole year trying to make a feature that was in original Halo work. <laughs> uh, which... I didn't quite do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tough break. Tough break for Halo Infinite. I've... That game had quite a lot of goodwill for about a month. And now it just it just doesn't feel like a thing at all. Like unless it's like GTA Online, one of those secretly massive games that no one talks about. But I'm pretty sure that isn't the case. It's a weird one because it really is a genuinely great online multiplayer shooter. Yeah. But by the modern standards of these games, like it was slow to roll out new stuff, um, uh, like new online multiplayer stuff. And then yeah, nothing single player happened at all. They've just put in online co op. Um, which is cool, but yeah, no split screen co-op still. I think they they did commit to doing online uh, to doing um, offline split screen from the start and weren't able to do it. Um, and then I think someone hacked the game and made it do it. And then people were like, "Why can't you do it if it's working?" And it just seems like Halo's had a load of trouble. It just seems like it's not going well, you know. Which is yeah. tough. Tough. It's tough because I I like Halo doing well, but yeah, if there is. The only thing that gets rumored now about upcoming Halo stuff is um, Battle Royale, which I don't really care about, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, but if that's where the appetite lies, yes, yeah, it's just a, just a shame. Just the only thing you ever hear about three four three is like another big name has left it, basically. Yeah, um, which is a shame because good game underneath it all, but good multiplayer game yeah. and no Scarab. Yeah, no scab. In fact, that was my fifth prediction. Halo Infinite gets a storybook expansion that finally gives us a scarab or two. <laughs> Very wide of the mark there. Um, so yes, blown through one of mine there too, Matthew. Um, so that's good. Um, you ready for my next one? Yeah. FF7 Remake Part 2 is announced. Tick. And it'll be an open world game this time. Cross. <laughs> um, so they did announce this. It's called Rebirth, the second one. Um, I think it is. Uh, my point was, it's going to come along slightly quicker than you think it's going to. And I think that is true. It's coming at the end of next year. Um, although by the time it does, it would have been, um, I think, like four, almost four years since the last one. So maybe that's not actually true. Um, but still, yeah, I think like my, I think I still believe there's somewhat though. We don't know what kind of game it will be, but I think the fact that they are out of Midgar means they need to do a more open um, format kind of uh, 
you know, sort of, sort of give you more of a sense of the world than the first game was able mm-hmm. to. Now, Matthew, didn't you just start playing the original FF7 remake? You were consulting me for Crisis Core-based advice, which is exactly what I'm here for, but um, what was the deal with that? <laughs> no, so I was curious about whether I should play Crisis Core before starting Final Fantasy VII Remake because I heard that it folded stuff from that game into it. So I haven't started either. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So, uh, yeah, um, I have consulted with Matthew on that, and uh, I think he's just going to play regular FF7 Remake. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah that's, that's, that's the plan. I'm glad that I have uh, basically, like... I mean, I was going to say you're good for two things, which is really unfair. You're good for so many things. Oh, thanks, buddy. But two things, two things that really stand out are the order you should play Final Fantasy games, <laughs> specifically Final Fantasy VII games, and what Batman comics to buy my dad for Christmas. <laughs> Those are the two things I can always, always trust on on you. Oh, so. thanks, pal. I mean, I assume you've also got Catherine for Final Fantasy-based advice. So you've got regular wife and pod wife, which is me. Um, <laughs> so you've got you know, information from all circles, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, is, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, she hasn't played Crisis Core, so she was literally no good to me in that particular conversation. <laughs> no, that's weird. Usually when there's a game I've not played from like that time period, Catherine has played it in conversation. Oh, she, well, I asked her earlier, and she very defensively said, well, I didn't have a PSP, and she was actually quite cross, as if I was accusing <laughs> her of something. <laughs> to be honest, it, owning a PSP was a big ask, um, I, oh, I think, for a lot ask. of people. Well, it's like how, you know, there's like a... Um, I know a couple of people are like, oh, yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened in Kingdom Hearts because I didn't ha- own a PSP, and I'm like, I do sympathise, and now you have to play, like, <laughs> a PS4 re-release of that to even get it. Now you're too old and you're very perturbed by the whole thing. That's me in Kingdom Hearts in a nutshell, really. Playing 4K versions of PSP games is... That's rough, man. That's tough, man. But, I mean, we're all about to do it with this Crisis Core re- re-release, so uh, we have completely read We're all going to do it. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. Fair. Um, okay, that's that's the one ticked off. Then I look forward to more FF seven based adventures. Yeah, people... well, we haven't, we still haven't done a Final Fantasy episode. No, I'm putting it off because I don't know how to do it. Someone pointed out, well, you can't do them game by game because Retronauts did that, and I was like, well, they didn't come up with the idea of talking about a single Final Fantasy <laughs> game, so that annoyed me. Um, and basically, I'm just arguing with our listeners again. There's no actual good content here. Um, we will tackle it when 16 comes out. We'll, we'll tackle it, but I, I do keep putting it off. It's true. Uh, sorry about that, pal. Uh, what's your next one? Uh, my next one is that Sonic Frontiers game will be good. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you ask some people, that is correct. Oh, are you asking the right people? That's the question. <laughs> I was sort of excited for this in that I liked the, the, the early teaser trailers, which is all we'd seen at the time. They'd sort of shown that open world, and it was all quite kind of abstract, and I thought, oh, the idea of pinging around this this big kind of dreamy world would be fun um i did buy this you spent actual money on sonic frontiers yeah i yeah i bought it okay that's like uh, shocking to me that's like well, i um, bought it in a black friday sale a, a pre-black friday sale because i i'd seen some people who i respect talk up this game and i thought is this actually like secretly good is there a a real heart pick seven in this because i thought what a funny twist it would be if in the game of the year episode my first pick was sonic frontiers so i was willing this to be good (laughs) and willing it to win me over um but it's just sonic stinking up the joint in a massive field (laughs) it's just it's no good this game it's it is bad and maybe some people think it's like ironically good because they're into the whole kind of ironic 
like Sonic meme thing, which I know a lot of people a little bit younger than me are. Or maybe they're just such so blinded by nostalgia that they 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 can't see anything but good in Sonic. But it's just a horrible, horrible thing to control in a game which basically every interactive element of the world exists because he is so uncontrollable. It's a spring that you touch and then it fires him off and you have zero control about it. You know, it has to keep taking control away from you because he, he just feels so terrible to, to play as. The homing attack still in this game does all the work because he's a character you can't steer. So all his attacks have to home in for you. It's uh, it's abysmal. So bad prediction. Yeah, I've played a bit of this and I, I agree with that. It's quite weird when you're trying to... Um get in the because like two, there's a duality to this game right there's like the the more trad sonicy bits and then there's the more mournful puzzle adventure bits when you're <laughs> in a big classic field. mournful sonic that you know <laughs> and love <laughs> yeah which are a bit weird and i think i said in the uh, little um what we've been playing post they remind me of like like sonic's been modded into a game that's not his um like when you put when like when someone put cj from gta san andreas into uh breath of the wild <laughs> on a motorbike and you were like is he meant to be here so yeah there's a bit of that vibe to it but then you'll, you'll try and steer him towards something specific but then you he doesn't have the momentum to do it but then if you hit the homing attack you'll suddenly have momentum and it's like i don't understand how this really works as a control yeah, system. yeah and it's just all these abstract clusters of like grind rails and platforms and you're like well where's the beginning of that how do i get to that and it's always oh there's a spring in a bush and you hit the spring and then he'll just hit the grind rail and grind round it and then it drops you off back on earth and you're like well, what was the point of that other than you going well there's a novel sort of construct floating above me in the sky doesn't even have the one good thing about sonic which is bright colors and like a soundtrack that you can kind of hum and enjoy i can buy into a bad sonic game i I like i don't mind sonic lost world because you know it has the color it sounds a bit like mario galaxy it looks a little bit like mario (laughs) galaxy without that this game is just it's just so dour like this big washed out field this like mournful music which feels like they're doing it because Breath of the Wild had a subtle soundtrack. It's like someone looked at that game and didn't really understand why it did anything, but just went, well, we'll sort of do it like that because that was one of the best games ever made. Uh, Like, there's little creatures that are like Koroks, but you don't collect them or find them in any inventive or exciting way. There's nothing to reward uh, exploration here. I think this is really, really dire. I actually don't think it's as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, I should be more accurate. I think, like, in in the pantheon of 3D Sonic games, and pantheon is inverted commas there, it's like not really any more offensive than some of the better ones like, you know, playing Sonic Generations or something. Mm. Like it's maybe a bit more muddled in terms of like how it tries to reinvent itself. But it's not overtly offensive and if you yeah. want to phone it in just to get through those levels, you can do it. Um yeah. but yeah, it dep- but you're holding it to like the standard of this is moving into like Mario Galaxy's domain. Well, so what, what the fuck are you playing at, Sonic? And that's no, that's a different I, perspective, admit. I think they've they've tried to really change it up, but he's still got all the kind of problems he's he's always had. You know, I just don't think they fixed anything. And just putting him in a different kind of landscape doesn't doesn't fix anything, and and only accentuates those problems. The one thing that I do like is like the giant bosses that are sort of embedded in the field. And are there as like open world things that you can kind of uh, tackle at any given time. So there's like the big guy with the arms and then you can run up his arms and like boff him on the head. And there's like a sort of stingray that leaves a kind of trail. And if you land on its trail, that becomes like a racetrack through a landscape. That's visually quite distinctive and quite interesting. You know, the idea of a, a sort of surprise arcade burst 
that's naturally embedded in this natural environment. That's cool, but everything else is is just just very vague and it's just it just it just isn't nice to handle. And that's isn't that everything? Like if you can't if that isn't working, it doesn't matter what he's doing really. Okay, yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. Um, so no, not good. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed that uh, that take and then the journey of you buying it, you buying that. And the Mega Drive uh, 2 Oh, classic. I don't know what happened this year. <laughs> yeah, I just, a, just, you had a weird year. Know. You had a tough year emotionally, man. Is that we dealing uh, with some stuff? Yeah, I just... I, I, in both cases, I think I thought it would make for fun podcasting to, to go against my persona. I wanted to show people that I am open-minded um, yeah. to these things. I do try them. I'm not just saying this blindly. Like, I really went in this. I was willing it to be good. I predicted it it was going to be good. And I'm just very disappointed that it's um, just another shit Sonic game. I have um, <clears throat> I feel like I've sort of set myself up for failure by promising that I'll get um, Steel Battalion at some point, Matthew, um, and <laughs> podcast about it. That feels like a, a big error on my part. A bit like um, <laughs> that Seinfeld episode where he says, like, he when he run the, ran the race against that guy and years earlier and he's like nervous about having to re-race him to like prove he can still do it that's a bit like me with this steel battalion thing i've said i'm gonna do it now i've got to fucking do it and it's like oh it's hanging over me man it's like what if i what if i just install it put it down on my lap the controller and just have the worst time and can't even do it and then i have to make a two-hour podcast about it what a fucking terrible outcome that'll be um (laughs) you don't do you even put that thing on your lap? That's too big for a lap. It has to go to a desk, really, doesn't it? You're going to have to invest in, like, a coffee table or something. Well, then it becomes a question of, like, will it even work with a CRT TV? Will I have to fucking get some kind of 300-quid adapter just to make it work on, a, like, a, a modern TV? I hope so. It makes It'll make for a better episode if you have, like, a really painful quest to make this thing work. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it just feels a bit like it's turning to, into like the out of towners or something, where I'm just like losing money at every single turn until I'm like <laughs> three grand in the hole just for one podcast episode, which will be funny for the listeners, admittedly. Um, should we move on to one of mine, mine Matthew? Yes. Uh, number four, Night Dive remasters the South Park game on N64. <laughs> uh, didn't happen this one, unsurprisingly. Was um, pleased to learn there is another South Park game being made by Question, though the studio that made um, yeah. uh, the Magic Circle and uh, the what's it called? The, the is club. it Blackout Club? Blackout Club, yeah. So um, uh, Jordan Thomas of Bioshock Two uh, fame's outfit. Um, uh, so yeah, they're, they're they're making a South Park something, which is quite cool. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, this is kind of a joke about Night Dive. It's like they've been kind of uh, sort of like you know, excavating the acclaimed catalogue, and this is one that hadn't been touched, of course. Um, and I don't think... I think Parker and Stone are on the record that they didn't like any of the South Park games before the Stick of Truth, so... This was a joke one, a gag one. Um, h- hilarity. Mm. Um, and uh, whether you think it's funny or not, it sure was a prediction that I put in there. What's your next one, Matthew? Oh, my next one. Uh, Konami will have a big comeback. Mmm. Well, very good. You actually kind of... Get, I think you get a full point for this one. I get a full, yeah. Well, a comeback has begun. I mean, financially, they are, you know, making more money than they've ever made before because they're just sort of they've got some massive Yu-Gi-Oh thing, uh, free-to-play card game which seems to make two billion pounds every year, which is you know good for them. Um, uh, not so good for the people pocket money of of um, easily fooled youngsters. Um, and yeah, I, I like. I thought the sort of Silent Hill Direct 
was good. I thought it it was really confident. I thought they announced loads of stuff. I mean, we can't really speak to the quality of any of those games, but I thought they were all interesting projects. I thought the main one, the Silent Hill 2 remake from Blooper Team, is the one I'm probably least interested in. But, um, you know, they're working with no code. Interesting choice. Um, they're working with the writer of the When They Cry visual novels, um, which, you know, from the visual novel episode I've gotten into this year. Very, very interesting partnership. Um yeah, like, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I think I said specifically in that episode, uh, you know, we want all their rumoured games announced. We want to hear what they're doing with Silent Hill, what they're doing with Metal Gear, maybe what they're doing with Castlevania. Um, but I also said one out of three wouldn't be bad. That's exactly what we got. But I kind of hope they have the similar thing waiting behind the scenes for their other series. Like, they just haven't been entirely dormant. You know, that stuff is going on and that's exciting. Yeah, I think I think the Metal Gear one's likely to be much more reserved. Like they'll probably just be like, uh, I think the rumor from VGC was the older games will become available on modern platforms, and Metal Gear Solid Three will be remade. Like that, that's a good starting point. I think. Yeah. Um, anything more wild than that seems unlikely, but I'd love to see it. As for Castlevania, no idea. Works for that one as well. Uh, that feels like one of those films that people just talk about endlessly, then it never gets made. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. Yeah, it's meant to be Oscar Isaac and is it Jordan Voigt Roberts? Vote Voigt Roberts. Yeah, but he's um, like, I, I don't know if because he, he's like mates with Kojima and because it's a project that sort of starts when Kojima's still in Metal Gear, and maybe like you can't be mates with Kojima and be involved with Metal Gear now. Who knows? I don't know. He seems to have softened up a bit on um, Metal Gear related stuff, though. I guess he probably, but he probably still see it as they're making money from a thing that I make. A lot of directors are asking themselves like. Do I want to direct a Metal Gear film, or do I potentially want to be a hologram in Death Stranding Two? Hard one to decide. I would really struggle with like the conundrum of like be Kojima's mate or make something based on Metal Gear Solid. I'd really fu- that. Would you really? Oh yeah, definitely. Like the cred accumulated from just being associated with Kojima is like worth it, arguably. Um, so you know, yeah, I would, I would really struggle as opposed to like, yeah, it's like. Oh yeah, I want to make this Metal Gear kind of like indie stealth thing. It's like, well, if Kashima's going to be pissed off at me, I, I don't want to risk my friendship with him. I kind of get the bind, you know what I mean? But I, um, yeah, I just don't think that that's an offer that's offered to anyone who's circling a Metal Gear project. It's not like Kojima is like trying to tempt people away to sort of stall the progress of the Metal Gear <laughs> franchise. He's like, listen, I will buy you with my friendship, which, as everyone on the Twitter knows, is the coolest friendship going. Yeah. Uh, Have you uh, you dipped into his podcast? I haven't brought myself to do it uh, i listened sure I to like that, that teaser one that they did right. um hard work tough hang yeah it, it wasn't really <laughs> for me uh, i've had lots of people send me he did an episode on his favorite mystery fiction of the year which obviously is like right up my street but a lot of it was japanese stuff that's not in translation which obviously just makes me jealous and his picks for english books were uh very very mainstream you know, like he liked Richard Osman's one, and you know that's fine. You're allowed to like that, but it's not. It's not like it's not a cool pick. Maybe that to, to him though, that is like you picking up like a, uh, oh. a pretty famous. You know what I mean? Like no Richard doubt. Osman's, like yeah, probably maybe yeah. seems more exotic and exciting if you're Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> Keiko Higashino is probably the Richard Osman of Japan. <laughs> um, but to is that me, the most Matthew like... Castle thing that's ever been said on this podcast. It's. <laughs> um, no, but it's just, I just, it just makes me laugh that, like, you know, he's into these books that, like, 
my stepmom's into also like kojima and my stepmom like these books i just think that's there's there's something odd about that yeah that's fair uh, what even was this prediction again? Oh, Konami, yeah. Yeah, yeah Konami. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, they're, they're back a little bit. They're, you know, they're certainly in rude financial health and they seem to be putting it to uh, what I deem good use. If I had two billion of Yu-Gi-Oh money, you can bet your ass I'd like blow that on some Metal Gear vanity projects. But that's why I don't run companies, Matthew. Um, <laughs> I, just, I run this podcast with you. Um, okay. Next up is actually my Halo one, so I've already done that one. So should I just move on to my other yeah. one? Yeah, okay. Um, more PS2 era games come to VR. Eh-eh. So, <laughs> again, the thinking was Resi 4 VR was such a big deal. We'll see, we'd hopefully see more of that. But it's really been slow going. There was a rumour that um, on like a really unsubstantiated one that was floating around saying that Rockstar has some deal to to bring a few games to Oculus systems, and that might include Ma- Manhunt, for example, which would be incredibly grisly in uh, <laughs> VR. I don't know how true that is. They haven't even made the GTA one yet, so I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. Um, but yeah, this was a bust, really. I hope to see more visually simple games from this era uh, make the sort of like crossover, and it didn't really happen, which is mm. uh, to be expected, I guess. Like, it's just... VR just... It's quite glacial in comparison to um, other other platforms, but vis- the, the kind of visual simplicity of these games would would seem to make them a good fit. Like something like mm. Killer Seven in VR would be rad, for example. You know, um, yeah. that would actually work kind of well. I think I was also talking about like light gun games, which again feel like a bit of a missed opportunity. Like there's loads of new light gun games made for VR on there, but no old ones ported to it, which just seems like yeah. a waste to me. Uh, any, any any further thoughts there, Matthew? I'd, I'd like the Rockstar thing to be true, if only to see Zuckerberg doing a big press conference where he, like, strangles a man to death with a plastic carrier bag in Manhunt and just try and sell that along. Well, actually, like, the dead-eyed avatars is quite a good Manhunt fit. It's not, it's not, it's not worlds apart. Being in the metaverse is, is quite an alienating experience. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, that that pretty much covers that one, I think. So um, yeah. what's your next one, Matthew? <laughs> My next one is uh, Xenoblade 3. Uh, will be announced, which hadn't been at the start of last year. Um, uh, I think I also kind of thought it would be a kind of a a mashup of Xenoblade 1 and 2. Um, Not, I mean, uh, I'm probably overstating how prescient that was. Like, there there is some crossover. I think I I predicted it was going to be a a bit more of a, like, Avengers Assemble type type deal. Um, But this was announced. It did happen. Um... You know, the rumour of voice acting being recorded by Jenna Coleman, which we thought might have been for the definitive edition of Xenoblade 1, turned out to be for Xenoblade 3, so that was right. Um, Yeah, and it came out, and it was great. I really loved it. And it it connected to the other two in just the right way for my money. Full point for you, and full point for Jenna Coleman for still putting in the hours on... um... Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is which is we congratulated her on this a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still, I think that's just that's good hustle. That is, that's like you know, you don't, you don't forget where your paychecks come from. Fair enough. That's like us knocking out a two-page preview in like circa two thousand eight. You know what I mean? For a six yeah. out of ten, three sixty game. That's her version of that. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah, well done. That was like a yeah, good call. I suppose it was about time, but that doesn't take away from the fact that you were pretty pretty much spot on. Um, and yeah. it was fu- it, it was funny how it just seemed to appear fully formed, and then it was just out. That's like happening more and more with Switch games these days, uh, minus Pokemon games where you uh, the Pokemon are vehicles, which don't seem to be quite ready when they actually release. <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay, moving on then uh, to one of my Near Automata gets a proper sequel from Platinum Games announced and maybe released. Uh-uh. Who knows what's happening with Nier? Um It feels like there should be a sequel to this game. There isn't. I don't know why. It came out like five years ago. Surely someone somewhere is making it. Maybe the Platinum is making it. We still haven't heard about it. But you would think a proper sequel to this game is coming. But alas, it's not yeah. happening. So, uh, I, yeah. I think if you if you read between the lines, like whenever they need to do anything near related, they they really do do a lot with Yoko Taro and Platinum. So like when they did the Switch port, he did another round of interviews for the Switch. He's if he feels like he's still very very close to them, and in play, which you'd think it is because he is making a game with them. Mm. Well, you'd hope like, so, right? It just that's that's the read, like, because otherwise, if he's like, "Oh, it's not happening," surely you'd be like, "Fuck it, I'm not doing that." You know, like it would just be he is the executive producer on the Switch port rather than the man himself. You know, he's still cracking out his big papier mâché head. <laughs> you know, he's still doing all that nonsense. Uh, great, great I, th- I think he's there. That. Yeah, um, yeah. That's tr- it's also the thing of like actually um, releasing a Switch port of this would suggest that they're they're you know trying to like it's not just to cash in it's because it's meant to be a good port as well right they're, they're genuinely yeah, trying to like so. get people more people interested in it so surely you'd only do that if there was a sequel to be made um mm. so yeah that one didn't pan out but maybe i could just put that on next year and it'll actually like work next year so we'll see yeah. um <laughs> what's the next one matthew uh, another duffer breath of the world 2 will be a switch pro launch game um but it's fate and whether or not it comes out this year will hinge on Nintendo being able to manufacture said Switch Pros. Um, I feel like the Switch Pro rumour mill has really powered down. Or maybe just people are so fucking bored of all the liars saying that they know about it and then it not happening. (laughs) Well, you know, they are liars, aren't they? Basically, all the people who said it was... And then it was the OLED. You know, literally in the week before, they were like, it's happening, the 4K Switch next week. Um, So... Yeah, Breath of the Wild 2 next year. Maybe it'll be a crossover game for some other Switch, but I don't know. I don't even know how I feel about the Switch these days. Really. Oh, well, I love the Switch, but I don't know how I feel about the Switch successor. It's quite hard to sort of, you know, seems to be chugging along. It's such a, you know, you know, I haven't had a bad time with the Switch this year. You know, it's probably been my most played console. So it feels like the the next year probably has to be the last year of the Switch before something else happens. Like, surely. It won't go on for longer than that, but we are, yeah. Actually, I know. Saying that, like the last thing I reviewed, Bayonetta, you know, was really beginning to like strain against what that system can do, um, and it's what it's happy doing. And you thought, oh, this it'd be a shame if we didn't get to see like Bayonetta three running smoothly one day on the, on another Switch because this is just a little bit too uh, herky jerky for my liking. Yeah. I think it's also important to remember that, like Nintendo, typically does leave, you know, when when during a successful generation, will leave up to six years between formats, right? Yeah. And we are still at not at the six year point. We're approaching it in March, but we're not there yet. This has been a phenomenally successful run for the Switch. It hasn't stopped selling, importantly as well, which may be affecting some of the decision making. Um, it's kind of like approaching the point where it's sold enough that it's kind of as successful as an old home console and a handheld combined like it's that it really is that successful which is phenomenal so um yeah um i think you'll be right at some point but at least we've got the breath of the wild sequel thing happen matthew we know that's coming so that's good um cool so here's finally one where i've done quite well 
Okay. Um, the two Yakuza historical games, Ishin and Kenzan, oh. are released this year on modern formats. Now, not correct that the year, and like it's not Kenzan, it's just Ishin. But that is a good call, I think. Um, yeah, great yeah. shout. Yeah, so here we are. Like it's been, it's not really just a re-release. It's like a, you know a full-blown kind of remake they've done with their nice modern visuals coming next year. Very good. We're going to get to see a different side of Yakuza, which is now called Like a Dragon. Um, mirroring what it's called in Japan. How do you feel uh, about that? Uh, uh, I prefer Yakuza. Yeah. Like, it's like got a, a sort of PS2 era like stickiness to it. I just think that's a better name. Um, yeah. Even if yeah. it doesn't always tally with what the games are. Like, it is always in that world. Like, it's... I don't know. The, the, the thing I was curious about is, I hope they haven't been threatened by the real Yakuza so to stop using that name. I would hope not. Um, I read some <laughs> speculation in a very an excellent Game Informer interview piece with the um, new producers that it's because the Yakuza's own like, uh, power is diminished in recent years, so it no longer makes sense to call them that. <laughs> I don't know what, Yakuza are no longer cool enough to have a cool <laughs> game series named after them. Yeah, that's it. Whereas Yakuza... Oh, that's- Yakuza is a great name. Um, yeah, so I like I, the idea I, that real world Yakuza are now like, well, shit, we better get our act together. They're no longer naming a cool game after us, <laughs> so we've got to be more badass. Let's go and like hit people with a gashapon machine. <laughs> <laughs> but they made a Michael Mann series about us. How are we not cool? Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, I'd just stick with Yakuza personally, but hey. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, yeah. That, so that one, Matthew, is actually a big old tick, which is nice. So yeah. what's your uh, next? Oh, go on. I would say that great Game Informer article. That one, you, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that when you linked that to that. Um, <laughs> I really like the detail of the games having big uh, karaoke mini games because there's a guy on the team who's like obsessed with karaoke and has a printout, which is suggested he carried around with him <laughs> of every song he could sing at karaoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, I don't really know what that list's for. Does he hand it to you and then you're like, you sing this song off this list? Or like, what's that for? That's interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. It was quite cool reading them being like, yeah, so loads of the old devs left, but now they've left, we can all be promoted, which is nice. <laughs> Um, and I was like, yeah, fair play. And I, I love that they, um, yeah, it was just a really good, like, behind the scenes look at the thinking and the people behind these games who are not uh, Negoshi. Um, that's, yeah, mm. real, real rad feature that. I'll link it on the uh, Twitter feed. I'm sure people have seen it by now. Mm. Uh, so, what's your next one, Matthew? My next one is someone buys Capcom. <laughs> Fucking rubbish. <laughs> so vague. <laughs> Based on absolutely nothing. I mean,. I guess I was thinking more about acquisitions generally, and I was like, who do I think is still in play? You know, obviously no one could have predicted the Xbox Activision play that followed soon after this episode. Um, also, I, th- I actually think Square Enix dumping all their Western studios is also pretty massive this year. Mm, yeah, especially because but... like, one of them just got shut down and their game's yeah. like deleted forever which is not great i would say no not a good not a good advert for that whole process um sony bought bungie i guess oh yeah that's these, a thing these, um, are all, these are all boring acquisitions though what i would define as exciting acquisition is microsoft buying obsidian or microsoft buying bethesda if someone buys capcom they might change capcom why would you change capcom you know yeah if like nintendo bought platinum that would be exciting 
Matthew Castle Productions buys Shu Takumi. That's like, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Sometimes these things are legit interesting and people pick interesting studios and those studios are secure so they can keep making the things they're good at. That's good, but I don't know, man. Few, okay. Fewer surprise acquisitions, more surprise Japanese studios giving their precious IP to like indie studios in the West. That's, exactly. a, good, that's a good story. That's what I want. Exactly. I completely agree with you. Uh, very good, Matthew. Uh, so it's one of mine, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, Jedi Fallen Order sequel is announced. Tick this year. The tick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> and it lets you play as the Sith. Cross. That was correct. Incorrect. Oh. So yeah, they they did announce a sequel. It was um, I think it was at the Star Wars thing, whatever that fuck that's called. The thing where it's like a load of shops in like a hall, and then you just walk around, and then you go home. What was it called again? Celebration. Celebration. That was it. Yeah. Uh, you think they'd come up with a better Star Wars pun for that? Yeah, you'd think. Yeah, you think so. Like something that riffs on like Life Day, the Wookies, and the Star Wars Holiday Special, some bullshit like that. But in any case, <laughs> um, <laughs> in any case, yeah, they are making a sequel. It's set a bit further along in the timeline. It's got the same dude in it, so he don't play as a Sith. Um, and I think like the the speculation is like EA is now doing super short PR cycles for things. So. You, Game Awards is where you'll see a trailer for it, and then it'll just be out in like March, basically. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'm well up for that. So it's nice, nice to see that break cover. But I was there thinking, oh, it's nice they've turned that around relatively quickly, and it's like, nope, that was three years ago that game came out, <laughs> and this one isn't mm. out yet. Um, so yeah, but um, I just hope that Stig Asmussen takes a bit more inspiration from God of War three and gives <laughs> it like more of that momentum climbing giant titans maybe a very risque wookie sex mini game <laughs> who knows what could happen he's got to climb one big star destroyer and then just like get to the top and beat the emperor to death that could be uh, oh my god that, I would, work. Uh, that would be my dream star wars game that would actually be good. that's kind of what the force unleashed should have done it should have gone more in that direction mm. um but yeah uh, so yeah, that was uh, yeah, that one is kind of accurate. It's going to happen anyway, but uh, yeah, it's called Jedi. I think it's called Jedi Survivor or something. Um, slightly clunky name, but uh, I look forward to it. What's your next one, Matthew? Uh, that uh, we will see a new game from uh, Kazuki Yabuki, <laughs> which I swear that's not, I'm not pronouncing that right because Catherine was laughing at me saying Kazuki Yabuki a lot in the last episode. Um, <laughs> and it makes me laugh when I say it. Uh, who is Mr. Mario Kart and, and Arms um, at uh, Nintendo EPD Software Group number nine? What, a, what a amazingly iconic fun sounding iconic. <laughs> yeah, that is. Um, this was this was a little bit me looking at Nintendo and thinking, who here hasn't made a game in a while? And I felt like there was a big gap between Arms and well, a post Arms for him. Now he may have been just heavily involved in the Mario Kart DLC, which was obviously a surprise announcement this year. Like, he is kind of in charge of Mario Kart still. He's, like, the kind of creative director of that. Um, I just... I just... I, I, you know, not to sort of sound like a broken record, there was this wing of Nintendo that started making new games, um, you know, which basically gave us Splatoon and Arms... Uh, and then they haven't really done anything else other than lots of Splatoon and No Arms 2, which I'm assuming isn't going to happen. So I, I just I just want to see like something new from the young blood of Nintendo. That's all I want. Is mm-hmm. that is that too big an ask? Um, <laughs> I, I, I sort of predicted it might be another sports game because I felt like there was a, a piece of the puzzle missing from their online subscription service. Again, Mario Kart turned up and kind of 
uh, blitzed a lot of that. Also, they really, really, they re- they released Nintendo Switch Sports this year, um, which you know has has an online element to it. So, um, yeah, like this prediction was wrong, but Nintendo did make some stuff in that space. I think that's like reasonably good. There's like the speculation now as well that Nintendo basically makes this stuff. It's it's done, and then it just sort of sits in a vault for a while, like that Fire Emblem game. People said it was like basically done for a year before they released it. So mm. he might have made something that, <laughs> like, that already exists and is is ready for release, but might not come out for another year or so, Matthew. So um, yeah, that, I mean, yeah. there's a chance of that. Or you know, if if again, if you if you buy into new console rumors, you think are they prepping games for that? Whatever that might be, that would be exciting. Did you see old Sakurai sort of wink winking at the idea of a Kid Icarus uprising port? Yeah, I did, and I was quite surprised by that because it seems very un-Nintendo to let uh, that sort of thing drop. But I suppose he's got a lot of control over Kid Icarus, hasn't yeah. he? So, uh... That has to be a thing. Like, yeah. He can't possibly get signed off to do that and just bait all the Nintendo fans because it feels like even though he's his own man and he's making his YouTube series, like Nintendo must have considerable sign-off on that thing, you'd think, given it feels what like he's a... saying. It feels like a bit of marketing. It's very They're very nicely edited and put together yeah. videos, so... Yeah, I can sort of see that. Um, but yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? Because that's kind of like a, a you know a bit of a lost 3DS classic in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. If, never if sold. They did a big visual pass on it as well, because it's quite it's you know it's a very like spectacular kind of cinematic game. One of their one of their only games which sort of really feels a bit more sort of western in that style, like a western third person action adventure with a very weird control scheme. So mm. yeah, uh, I'd be up for it. I refuse to play it unless they release it with some fucking bullshit stand that I have to put my switch on Matthew, in order to in order to play it. If I if I don't have arthritis after two minutes of playing this game, I ain't interested. Yeah, I'm out. Um, okay, good. That's uh, yeah, good one. Uh, okay. Oh god, my last two are so shit. What a fucking boy. <laughs> I'm gonna to promise to make these more exciting next year, listener. Cause yeah, yeah. I just like, but then I probably said that the year before and then fucked it anyway. By the end of the year, I'll be at least one expansion into Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> nope. Um, yes, it was recently litigated in the Discord. It's just a bit too much of a time sink, and there's been too much to play this year. Uh, this podcast is kind of like the worst enemy to getting, to me getting into an MMO, basically. It's yeah. not efficient for me to just play one game over and over again. That's kind of why I stopped playing Destiny and Apex, so I can actually make, make this podcast on mm. the reg. Um and so, while I still would like to see the delights of Final Fantasy fourteen, it, it feels like it's getting away from me slightly as I um, ease further into my 30s. Um, does Catherine ever give this a go, Matthew? Oh, she's talked about it, but like she plays so many games for work. I mean, she's she's really, really like diligent as a website editor. Mm. You know, she wants to play everything that everyone else is playing so that she can kind of weigh in on it and um, you know, it's it's but it just like do yeah, it dooms your personal playing habits. You know, I think she's like made a decent dent on Xenoblade Three, but like it's one of her favourite game series, and she hasn't played that because, you know, she's playing Steamfest demos because you know she works hard. <laughs> she sure does. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, it, it's sort of still on my radar. I just, uh, I don't know. It's probably not going to happen anytime soon. So I'll refrain from putting this on the list next year um, in favour of something that might actually happen. Um, <laughs> okay. Good. So, what's your? Are you, are you on your last one now? Uh, we've got two more. Okay, what's the next one? Um, there will be a new Famicom Detective Club, and it will be amazing. Um, <laughs> again, 
purely based on the fact that they did those ports, which were quite well received, and I thought just too lovingly made um, for something you'd never return to. And the the, the people who uh, ported it, I think, are mages who are the the visual novel outfit behind Steins Gate and the like, said, "Oh, we love doing this so much. You know, we'd we we'd love to make more of these, and you know, we you know we feel like we've got our head around it now." I also thought if you made a new one. Uh, it could fix all the problems because it wouldn't be sort of indebted to this design from 30 years ago, which plays like, um, largely like ass, was my opinion. Um, I know (laughs) other people are more into them. Uh, Lucy, who came on to our visual novel episode, I think is a lot more into these games than I am, for example. Um, Didn't happen probably too soon, really. Like if they put those games out last year and there was a positive reaction, it'll probably take more than a year to kind of get their head around that and get that into production if it is going to happen so um that was just me showing how little i know about video game uh, development and scheduling uh, in the industry tell you what though um a reasonably solid year in the uh, in the detective game genre right like you had at least two things this year that you've enjoyed in pentiment and what's the other one the golden idol one pentiment golden idol and don't forget the centennial files <laughs> oh that's uh, good yeah i think you should talk about it for 25 minutes matthew and <laughs> I'm the only game joking. I was so boring about you forgot even existed. You've just written that out of your brain. <laughs> I thought it was fine. You were just for some reason that has just killed you. Like that's like you yeah. are so hung up on that. And I, I'm never bored by your company, Matthew Castle. I'm always having a good time. So uh, yeah. I don't know. I think that that game's my kryptonite. You know, I love it, but I just can't make it sound interesting. Um, uh, so yes, but yeah, yeah, good year for detective games. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, a trend I'm very happy with. Yeah, feels like Oprah Din's kind of led to this point a little bit, doesn't it? Like it's uh, um, there's also that locomotive out next year. I think one of uh, Jay's former colleagues is making that. So um, oh. yeah, might hit him up for codes when that launches. Uh, mm-hmm. The listeners don't need to know that really. That's my kind of uh, pod <laughs> admin business. Um, so uh, my last one. Oh, so boring to end on. <laughs> well, I've got I've got another one. <laughs> That's good, yeah, that's good. Hopefully you'll end us on a big high. Will you end us on a big high? Which... Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Rockstar announces a new game that isn't a GTA. Nope, didn't happen. What did happen is the actual GTA leaked, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was like a massive, strange surprise. Though I think we've all kind of wiped from our collective oh, yeah. memory. Do you know what like I mean? the Centennial Files episode. <laughs> It's exactly the same, just as traumatic uh, for <laughs> as many people. Yeah, I feel like I feel like out of respect, we all sort of drew a curtain on that and were like, "Yeah, that sucks that, that happened for them." Let's just wait until the actual game's ready, which I think is a good way of looking at it. Like, I had no it's, desire. It's like they were all scared of being sued f- personally for a million pounds. Well, for yeah, just that's the thing. About it. <laughs> it just it went too wide for everyone to be sued. That was the thing. And the people thought safety in numbers. If we all write news about it, Rockstar can't sue all of us. <laughs> What an amazing idea for a crime. Like, if if 200 people decide to rob, a, like, a village post office, you're not going to put all 200 people in jail for it. Yeah, that's really Prisons funny. Prisons are oversubscribed as they are. Yeah, that's it. What are you going to do? Like, have 200 million in damages paid? Come on. Honestly, like, crime in numbers. That's the key. That's the secret to getting away with crime, I think. Well, I suppose, like, the, the argument they could make is that like uh it leaked because some some prick went on there and like took all the information against their mm. consent and stuff that which is genuinely a crime and i think has that person has been like uh prosecuted for it but all the news sites i bet they couldn't believe their luck fucking gta yeah. 6 leaking that must have been like the best sunday ever for those sites <laughs> um 
So yeah, that was uh, that was a very strange moment that happened. But Rockstar didn't announce the new game this year. Uh, I think they just did. I actually have no idea what happened to GTA Online this year. I've no idea if they did any more DLC for it or whatever. But I don't know. I, I think that the you know part of me still longs for there to be some kind of smaller Rockstar project that isn't a GTA or Red Dead. But yeah, that's that's that. Um, oh, should we mention the listener though, Matthew, who wrote in and said, "I'm pretty sure at some point someone did shout." get me the bends like should we talk about that oh yeah i think that was we were allowed to share that i think they were a former person right uh yeah well they or they maybe they knew someone should they i just read someone. out the, i won't name the person who um who wrote in so uh subject line get me the bends uh, <laughs> <laughs> dear gents the podcasts are great blah 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 you know the drill but really they are your Leslie Benzies related chat is always a highlight. <laughs> I love the idea we talk about it enough that it's like always a highlight. Um, I'm lucky enough to know someone who worked as a game tester at Rockstar in the Red Dead Two, uh, sorry Red Dead One and GTA Four days. His voice has even made it into GTA Four as a terrified pedestrian. Apparently, the company had only about a hundred people in Edinburgh at the time, so occasionally he bumped into the senior management at lunchtimes, etc. We were at the pub recently, and of course I had to ask about Get Me The Benz. This did feel like a risk. Would the joke be ruined for me with a simple dismissal of the phrase as something obviously made up? Should I have really have asked about it? Um, I need not have worried. He answered immediately, without even a pause for reflection or consideration. The answer was a resounding yes. While he can't claim to have heard this phrase verbatim, it was exactly the sort of thing he recalls hearing all the time. This is enough <laughs> evidence for me to be satisfied to truly believe in Get Me The Benz. And I hope the two of you are convinced to um, Benz on heading into the future as well. Uh, so, yeah, I um, I suppose the usual caveats of we have not substantiated this with a second source. So oh, yeah, like, like uh, we're not submitting this as evidence in Benz's <laughs> lawsuit. <laughs> no, exactly. So, But I do like the idea of Get Me The Benz being a thing that was yelled. I mean, that... That being at least like partially confirmed in some way is a lot of fun, isn't it? So let that yeah. detra- distract from my very boring, awful prediction. Um, what's your last <laughs> one, Matthew? I, I actually think I, I, always, I think I actually get it wrong. I always say it's get me the bends. I think it's what, what, what the actual quote is, I need the bends. Okay, right. Uh, and I always make the point that if 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 Benz is in the office, why would they need to ever like request him? You know what I mean? Like he's already there. He's, he's not working on the project, isn't it? Implied that he's working on something else, and they're like, "Get fucking Leslie Benz's on this because he's the guy who can fix it." Yeah. Um, summon, the <laughs> yeah summon the Benz. Summon uh, the Benz. Invoke the Benz. <laughs> He presses the button on his phone to his receptionist and says, um, can you bring the Benz into my office? And then she says, I've got the Benz for you. <laughs> I've got the Benz on line one. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of someone saying, get me the Benz. And then like he goes through some kind of like sort of 60s sort of genre show style tube that leads straight into like Dan House's <laughs> office. Uh, that's uh, None of this is in the lawsuit because it's all made up, just to be very clear about that. Um <laughs> Get me the Benz. Uh, I love oh, that's the thing. So good. Yeah. I wish I, I will never have a nickname as good as the Benz. No, that's, no, it's tra- tragic, isn't it? Really. Um, but you know, I will never be as important as that. So what? I don't need a nickname that good. It's not. It's, it's, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, so to close out, then, what's your last prediction, Matthew? Well, it was based on the idea that a GoldenEye remake was imminent, or mm. a GoldenEye re-release was imminent, and my prediction was. Um, a that it would happen and that we will all regret going back to goldeneye um <laughs> was my prediction just uh and actually this this is perfectly timed because this is the experience i had watching a lot of bond films for our recent xxl 
uh, episode where we ranked all the Bond films, a lot of happy memories were shattered by uh, going back to these films and seeing what they were actually like. I hadn't seen a lot of them for maybe 20 years, had them locked away as cherished filmic memories. And then when you watch them, you realise that they're just very shonky or have very dubious ideas or dubious performances or incredibly ancient bonds, (laughs) 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 which didn't seem um, clear. You know, you don't notice that when you're 10. We obviously go into all this in the episode. Uh, It's worth a listen. Um, uh, And I think the same about Goldeneye. Like, I love Goldeneye. It's probably one of my most played games of all time. But I don't know if, if going back to it will actually be a good thing because I definitely sort of shattered my rose-tinted specs when I went back to Perfect Dark when that was re-released on like Xbox Live Arcade. I was like, man, I spent like a thousand hours playing this. Like, if this? Um, and I don't know if we should go back sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that personally, like the fact that they did such a nice port of perfect dark means that my brain is calibrated to 90s level sort of expectations so yeah like uh, the worst thing about that that reveal the bond reveal is the confusion around who's getting what version and what the different versions look like that has been super confusing and it's still and it remains as such like it's online multiplayer in the n64 version but then the Xbox version will presumably be in HD and look quite nice because it's coming to the Rare Replay collection, which is a really nice freebie to give away, I think. Very generous mm. by Microsoft. Um, so, yeah, but but really, like, I wanted to hear the term remaster and the, the actual remaster they made for this that exists that you can go and just download off Archive. I think it's on archive.org, the, um, the uh, sort of redo of this, because it's not really, you know... It's for preservation, basically. It's not meant to be like commercially available. Um, that version just seems to be like lost, basically, and they're just going to do something else. It's very strange the the whole thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of I'm looking forward to it. I think a lot of us will basically play facility, and then we'll just like we'll log off and forget about it. That's that's <laughs> going to be like eighty percent of players, is my prediction. You know? Uh, yeah. yeah. I just don't know if I've got both trips to surface in me anymore. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I certainly don't have it in me to like do complex on double A. You know oh, what I mean? Not yeah, giant junk jungle is my least favorite level in that. Yeah, um, I guess the question is, will that look like someone sort of smeared paint on on your glasses when you uh, do that level next time? Green paint. That's the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's tough. That's uh, yeah, interesting to see. Um, at least it's not like we're bringing back. You know uh, the Daniel Craig Goldeneye version. Uh, <laughs> that would be version. hilariously cursed, or like the world is not enough FPS uh, on N sixty four. That'd be so. I funny. swear we had a listener say that they they thought that was good as, if not better than Goldeneye, which was like that was a real like. Should we pack up the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I choose to believe that never happened, and that our listeners are better. No, that happened. Uh, that's upsetting. That is. That's like when you went on YouTube and you found someone try and like make the case for the Mission Impossible game being like a forgotten Goldeneye, <laughs> and it was like just clearly not true. But everyone involved seemed to have a good time. It's so actually it's a proto hitman. Um... <laughs> I do love a terrible take like that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Good. So. Yeah, that will come back at some point, and hopefully next year we'll finally see some of what this uh, 007 game from um, IO looks like. 
Uh, you'd hope that we're getting to that point. But um, these in-between bond times are the perfect time to release a, a game that's got a different bond in it, I would argue. So, um, mm. I was yes. thinking that about Indiana Jones also. But yeah, that's been a long time coming, hasn't it? So, um, and like, I think this year it's been four years since um, Wolfenstein 2 as well. Um, mm. Maybe longer. I think it'll be, yeah. Do you think it'll be a game of the film? No, surely not. It would... Do you think? Here's a question. Do you think they'll get Harrison Ford to voice to voice him? That's like Bethesda Bucks. You could see it happening, right? Oh, uh, it depends if it's old Harrison Ford. Like you'd think, if it's not, a, if it's not a, a, if it's a film at the game, a game of the film, then sure. But if it's like young Indiana Jones, you don't want like grizzled Harrison Ford coming out of it. No, yeah, it was they like, should get oh, the guy who did um, <laughs> Empire's Tomb and <laughs> Infernal Machine and. Uh... <laughs> all those other classics because that guy sounded quite ha- he had quite a good harrison ford impression yeah he was pretty decent yeah also do you think that game will be third person because they've only ever made first person games right so uh what oh, do you reckon yeah. these, uh, are, these should be left for 2023 predictions episode yeah they? I, I want it to be f- i want it to be first person but you can constantly see the rim of indy's hat like poking at the top of the screen <laughs> in a really irritating way <laughs> it's like my peripheral vision is slightly fucked by this hat <laughs> you always on, have so to like crane your neck back because Indy's hat is blocking like the top third of the screen. Oh, and it's got like a take your hat off button in the middle of a conversation. That'd be uh, that'd be good. Um, oh, yeah, it- you know that there'll be achievement for like that hat keeps getting knocked off, and if you pick it up and carry the same hat through the whole game, you'll get an achievement for like holding onto Indy's hat. My favourite thing that we do on this podcast is when a game that we know nothing about yet, you and I just design it from scratch and then come up with come up with incredibly granular uh, interactions <laughs> that definitely won't make the finished product, but we have a great time. I'm hoping someone from someone from Machine Games has listened to this podcast and they're like, you know what, that's a fucking great idea. Uh, yeah. Like a button to pull your hat through like slowly closing doors. I'd say that's like a top 10 indie moment you have to deliver. Well, to me, it just sounds like a QTE. I'd mark it down for that, personally. Um, <laughs> big harsh, though, I'm only joking. I do think we're in a position now where the more game developers who listen to this, the more evidence will be accumulated that we're dunderheads who don't know what we're doing. And well, like... that's, that's, that's why I worry when people say, like, you know, I look at that when they follow the Twitter and then I look at their profile and it turns out they're they're from a studio. I'm like, oh, yikes, we're, we're so stupid. Well, I'm so stupid. You you know a bit more than I think you're letting on because you're at Frontier. Yeah, but, but remember, I, think you're, I think you're careful not to, not to reveal that. <laughs> yeah, but well, I can remember when I was saying that thing about, oh, races and cyberpunk are probably easy to implement. And then I said, <laughs> I said a load of bullshit about pathfinding where I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about. What am I doing there? I've got... I have no business talking about this. I'm glad we're above the level of, like, lazy devs didn't do this. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. We didn't do hate, anything like but, that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I am totally guessing at everything <laughs> that happens internally, basically. <laughs> yeah, but I like your suggestion of uh, minor hat-based um, Indiana Jones interactions, Matthew. I think you're on a good path there. Um, that's got that's got big creative director energy. Then other people have to make it I, for you. <laughs> I, think I, I think I could I could do that job. I could sit in a chair and just be like, "There's a hat, and it's going to keep falling off, and we've got to have like a whole hat physics system and a hat retention system and a way of like ch- judging the hat so that we can give you an achievement at the end for that. I, the achieve the hat achievement is just too good not to put in there. Yeah. The uh, funny AAA developers out there are looking for a creative director. Just drop us a line, backpagegames.gmail.com. Yeah. We'll have Matthew do that job. That's, that, that'd be, I that'd could, be good. Honestly, if you listen to this podcast, like, I had a great idea for like Jaws as like a Mr. X in Resident Evil 2 style figure in the Bond episode. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Um, yeah. That's gold. 
I'm sure you've pitched that for like another thing. I like the idea of like a Mr. X version in all these different games. That'd be, uh, that'd be good. <laughs> Who would it be in Indiana Jones? The boulder. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just uh, turns up at a dinner party in like a tuxedo, the boulder. <laughs> He's having a romance scene. Like, Ro- no. Rolls off the top of the spaceship at the end of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, just squashes him. Oh, that is so funny. If they haven't implemented boulder mode, machine games, you are missing a trick. Oh, dear. Now I remember why we do these episodes. They're good containers for other bullshit, aren't they? That's what the predictions are like, really. That's like five out of ten content, but the bits around it are just like. Yeah, fun, fun stuff. Well, that's this is the reward for people who, who put up with the the slightly average one hour fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get to the gold at the end and have uh, have a laugh. Um, I think we should end it there, Matthew, because we won't be um the boulder in a tuxedo having a romance scene. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, tip top. So yes, a shorter episode. The back page is over. We have a. This is the first episode of December. Actually, we have a good month coming up. We've um the XL tier episode this month is actually going to be. Uh, best video game levels volume one we have a nice idea for how we're going to do that so um slight change from the original plan but only to make you a better pod you the listeners so yeah you can check out our full plan on twitter at um backpage pod on twitter there's a pinned tweet that says what everything that's coming in december if you want to check it out uh, matthew where can people find you on social media uh, i'm at mr basil underscore pesto i'm samuel w roberts and we'll be back next week with a new episode goodbye goodbye